Welcome to the Beer and Loathing Podcast. My name is Pete M. I'm joined by Sam Sly, as always, and our friend Noah out in Denver. Uh, Denver, Colorado. Our friend yeah. Noah makes barrels. Uh, a barrel nice. broker. I know yeah. barrel broker. But yes, oh, I find okay. barrels. And then I sell them. So I don't awesome. actually make them. <laughs> it's like a barrel well, like Four or five of my questions I was going to ask you may not apply, but I'm still going to ask you them anyway. <laughs> That's fine. I, I should be able to answer them. So. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just going to start it uh, by asking you guys what are you what are you drinking because I have a couple of beers tonight that I'm I'm kind of proud to be cracking open but, really? but go ahead Noah please uh, since well, I already I, called you Ryan I would like to start with you Noah <laughs> figuring out what you're drinking so I don't no feel worries. such an asshole you know what I am actually drinking water right now to be lame okay. but uh, I'm eyeballing this bottle of wine from Claude Duval Winery which is a winery we sourced some. Uh, those big oak tanks and fooders from recently for like Truve Brewing, Lagunitas, wow. and some other people. That's pretty badass. Cool. Are they are, so are they locally here in Colorado too, or are they uh, out of state? No, they're in Napa. Okay. They're definitely in Napa, yeah. When we were kind of going back and forth, uh, you know, working with the schedules and stuff, is that part of what your Napa trip was for? Was for? That's all them? it was for. Oh, okay. That was the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it was for. Uh I was just out there to make sure to monitor and watch them uh, load and um, up these these big beasts and uh, make sure nothing happened to them and make sure that everything you know just went smoothly because it's about each tank costs about ten thousand plus dollars so whoa yeah it wasn't a cheap investment on our part we bought twenty of them so okay. <laughs> yeah it was just a big investment for us so I had to make sure that everything went as smoothly as possible. So, <laughs> so how what's uh, so for you said ten thousand bucks? Well, how big are these tanks then, like size wise, roughly? So, um, I mean, it's funny. There's there's some massive ones, like a hundred and eighty two hectoliter, <sighs> um, and then there was some that were uh, the smallest ones were about fifty three hectoliter. Okay. So, I'm trying to look up the actual. Beaker <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say these that. all uh, metrics. I mean, yeah. I, I know it's a lot. I just have no reference on exactly how much a lot it is. Right. It's, it's, well, <laughs> so I mean, a hectoliter is roughly about a thousand gallons, I believe. Okay. Um, double checking that real quick. That's Hold a on. good flat number. I can work with that. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Yeah, I think a liter's like, no, I, no, that's, I'm it's thinking sports- of a kilometer. So there are 1,400-gallon ta- tanks all the way up to um, about 3,300, I think. Wow. But these are all made of, of oak then, though, right? These are... Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, French oak or Hungarian, American. Sometimes I see Russian, I guess. There's some Russian oak out there. Hmm. So Russians always want to get in on the action, wherever it is. Yeah. So are you saying... These vessels can hold that much, like these giant, yeah, yeah giant so, vessels of wood that can hold this amount of, of yes, fluid. Sir. Yeah, wow. it's so. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sixty-four hectoliters is about seventeen hundred gallons. Um, 
I'm trying but to like yeah, wrap so, my head around this and imagine it. So that's that's pretty insane. Well, that, those are the smaller ones, right? So wow. think about the ones that New Belgium picked up because they got some tanks from there as well. These things were at least 4,900 gallons worth, so 182 Whoa. hectoliters. Um, Good Yeah, Lord. they're massive. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys have been to New Belgium before, right? I've been to the brewery once. Didn't take the tour, but uh, definitely hung out and was scoping out the uh, area pretty heavy. <laughs> okay, yeah. So next time you guys go do it, go do the Fooder Forest tour. I've yet to actually do it myself, but uh, they have these big beasts everywhere. They have like 64 of them apparently, and it's literally, huh. a st- a, like like they said, a Fooder Forest. Uh, you know, there's this yeah. tall, big, huge oak barrels essentially, I- really tanks, and they're all over just full of beer. That's all. I think they just had a event called Lost in the Forest or Lost in the Woods or something. They did, and it was I, maybe that was part of it. I guess maybe then that's all. This is me finally piecing together everything that's going on around Denver in this area. Right. You know, I'm a slow. <laughs> no, slow there's runner. a dude. There's a ton of shit going on, so I don't yeah. even know half the things that are going on. Um, you know, I if I don't get invited, I am like clueless. So. <laughs> yeah. So these were some massive vessels, but so how often do you deal with these things versus just like regular barrels? Uh, they're pretty rare. Um, they're not as frequent. Maybe like once a quarter, maybe. Okay. Um, we just I'm honestly, when they come available, they're gone pretty quickly. We actually had to bid on these. Almost got outbid because somebody's trying to buy all of them, mm-hmm. including the massive ones. Um, but we had to bribe the the winery to get you know access to twenty of them for our clients. Um, so it's kind of a weird game to be involved in, in this barrel buying and then selling, uh, people, you know, domestic stuff like bourbon and wine is pretty easy to find. Um, and you can find some local resources such as like Laws Whiskey or Bear Creek Distilling or, um, I don't know, some of the smaller guys out there. However, um, when they do get larger, such as Stranahan's and some other people, they get tired of, you know, piecemealing stuff out. So oh, yeah. they will call contact us or other people or they'll have some kind of a contract such as Stranahan's and Dry Dock or Stranahan's and Breckenridge. Um, and then we'll just pick up the, you know, I guess the scraps in a way okay. sometimes. But they're still good quality barrels. They're not horrible or anything. It's just, you know, they get first dibs. Yeah, it's not their finest stuff there. Right. Um so, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, you know, it's like Russian River. Uh, they're out there essentially in wine country. So yeah. they only use Pinot Noir, and they only use it from certain wineries because they have those relationships. Like, we have our relationships. However, um, you know, they, they've, they've cultivated that on their own. And some of my clients I work with, such as, like, Lagunitas, um, you know, they get all the High West barrels for the most part. You'll see them around, but mm-hmm. uh, High West is actually a pretty big distillery, apparently. Uh, but, uh, they come to us for like the specialty things such as the fooders or European barrels or rum barrels or stuff like that. So this is kind of something that I was thinking through after, uh, I saw your presentation at, at the Vail Big Beers in Belgians and Barley Wines Festival. And I, I just thought it was a cool presentation to start out with, but the idea that these like little almost niche types of industries are springing up partially due to the craft beer industry springing up or 
the, the growth of it, I should say. Um, how long has how long has Rocky Mountain Barrel Company been in operation? That's kind of what my question was going to. I I didn't even realize you know they had these companies until I saw your presentation. Yeah, I honestly I didn't even know either until my friend asked me to come work for him. So Skyler <laughs> Skyler Weeks is the founder and owner of it. Um, there are actually other companies that are much older than us, um, and it's actually you know old Cooperages that just. I think these distillers would call them and say, hey, I got all these barrels I don't need anymore. You know, it's a bourbon. I can only use it once. Do mm-hmm. um, you know anybody that might want to buy it for whatever? Uh, and a lot of, uh, yeah, so we've been around since 2010. Okay. And so, you know, six years now, um, we used, <laughs> it started out uh, in Sky's ninth apartment floor at the Parkway Hotel off of uh, 11th and Spear there. Wow. <laughs> Denver, yeah. <laughs> um, and then it evolved into him working out of a U-Haul storage shed or something like that, nice. um, which is totally Ill- illegal. <laughs> that, that looks totally legit, too, I'm sure, when someone pulls up. He's like, hey, man, I got some barrels for you just right here in the back of this U-Haul. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they, they fell off a truck, and now they're yes, yours. Exactly. <laughs> and then um, he gets – he finally got – he got a really cheap spot. Which is now where Crooked Stave is located. Um, oh, so yeah. him and Chad connected, and from there it kind of started to grow a little bit more rapidly. And I came on board about 2014 in the spring of 2014 after a two month stint with Budweiser. Oh wow! Um, and that was just that'd be eye opening, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of nice to see how the the big boys do things, but I was only there for two months, and I was like, you know what? Figured it out. You guys are some scoundrels. I see what you do and how you do it. Don't like it. And they also kind of work you like a slave and pay you shit. Uh, so, oh, wow. Well. Yeah, I just told Sky's like, hey, man, give me $2 more per hour and I'll work for you and I'll, we'll see <laughs> what you can do with this. And here we are. So, Two middle fingers to Budweiser and see you guys yeah. later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so Budweiser does operate like a, like a corporation like I always anticipated. Yeah. Yep. Massive yeah, corporation. Yeah, and you know, and it's 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 unfortunate. Um, but uh, you know, look at how uh, prolific and how successful all these other smaller guys have been, though. You know. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But it is hard to sell, let's say, a keg of Avery IPA into an account where Budweiser ha- is selling, let's say, Goose Island IPA for thirty dollars cheaper. Yeah. You know, but they're still charging you that six or five dollars per pint. You know, so yeah, and that IPA is not even that good. I yeah, so <laughs> I always call it the Gateway IPA because it's so much so mellow and so you know. That's fair. It's but, yeah, it's not bad. It's just I, I like mine. Uh, so Pete's in Grand Rapids. I'm originally from Grand Rapids, so like I always oh. feel like Midwestern IPAs have a little bit more balls to them in the bitterness department. So right, that's how I always like to have my IPAs and. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> no, I agree. The Goose Islands just doesn't quite have that. No, I understand. Well, hey, what was your? I guess that's a good question for you guys. You know, what was your first craft beer? Ooh, um, I actually know this one right off the top of my head. It was Flying Dog Pale Ale. Okay. Yeah, I had what? it at the diviest little dive bar in Grand Rapids, and I, I was always a big like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas fan, and I saw the artwork on there, and it was Ralph Steadman, like. Huh, yeah, this can't be bad. And, uh, yeah, hard to beat Ralph Steadman's work, man. Yeah, that's true. So iconic. So that's kind of <laughs> what got me going. Um, my first was uh, 
was was Oberon back when it wasn't really shitty. <laughs> and um, I, I say that with like a ton of love in my heart because I do love bells, but Oberon, God, this ha- seriously had to be like ten years ago when I was like eighteen. Oberon, I'm gonna have to be reminded of who makes that. that uh, bells makes that. It's their uh, like their summer wheat ale. Ah. Gotcha. I got ripped up on a Reddit forum once for someone wanted like an alternate to Oberon or a, a comparable beer, and I said Blue Moon, and these people just lit me up like a fucking candle. But <laughs> I'm like, they're both wheat, like summer wheat beers, and they're kind of light, right. and they have like coriander and shit in them. Like they're yeah, they're similar beers. They're different, but they're similar. It's but, you know, God forbid anyone mention a a big macro brewery. Well, that's kind of what got me into craft beer actually was blue moon i wasn't even a big beer drinker until i was probably 26 oh, okay which is weird but i was always <laughs> i always had access to beer you know but it was always uh uh shitty key light or yeah um coors or bud and it's like okay this is this literally tastes like piss so like why would <laughs> i want to drink this yeah <laughs> uh I, I guess to recount what i was saying the first beer that I that I ever had that was a craft beer was Oberon back when it uh, back when I was like eighteen, so like ten years ago. You know, it's it it was like drinking orange juice, and it was uh, it was a lot better than it is now because now I just feel like it's it's pretty watered down, um, or or maybe that was just my palate back then. But yeah. that was my first craft beer that I ever had was Oberon by Bell's. No, it, it's, it's funny what you said about Oberon and the palate because uh, so. No, are you are you like Colorado born and raised? I'd like to claim that, but I am not. <laughs> close I, enough, though. Very close. Yeah, I, I moved here when I was about five. Okay. Uh, well, I didn't. My my family moved me here. Um, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hop a bus and move here. Um, uh, but yeah, I was born in Utah, so not too far away. Okay, so you probably never really got to experience Bells, because I mean, their their rise yeah. to greatness has been in the past ten years, really, and they have Correct. started distributing in like every state around Colorado, and just don't want to come here. Um, but I went to school where they're brewed down in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I remember having Oberon back in the day and being like, "This stuff," it, just like you, Pete. Though I was like, "It's amazing," and nowadays it's it's good, but it doesn't have the same punch that I remember it having. And I just don't know if it's my palate evolving or the upscale I, they've had to do in production or what. I've heard from multiple people that it's like it has gone down in quality or has maybe not gone down in quality, but been re the brewery recipe has been changed for more mass market appeal is, is kind of like the long and short of what I've I heard. I could see that actually, but I don't know. It's, I'll still drink every once in a while. As long as they don't fuck with two-hearted, they can do whatever yeah. they want. Yeah, I right. have, I've had some two-hearted, but then I guess they had some double two-hearted this past GABF somewhere. Yeah, they uh, yeah they call it yeah double two-hearted. That's just I I had it at Vale, and oh. uh, I told them I was going to be haunting their booth all day because of that. Eh. And I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> How was it? I don't. I mean, it it's I compare it to. Pliny the Elder versus Pliny the Younger. Um, it's really good. It's yeah, it's really good, but it's it's it just has hints and notes of the original, but everything's just jacked up to like eleven. Gotcha. So I mean, I liked it just because Two Hearted's probably one of my favorite IPAs, and uh, if I can have one that's a little bit stronger and a little bit hoppier and a little bit more bitter, then I'm all for it. So 
I'm I'm not on the Pliny bus. Maybe if I had the Pliny the Younger, which I think is being released at Falling Rock soon. I I yeah. thought I overheard that. It's but, sometime this month. I can't remember which which part of it, but yeah, they're going to do it at least once or twice, I think. Um, I just I don't know, guys. I just I went to Russian River when I was out in Napa. I made that 45 minute trek down there just to say I went, and um, they have some good beers. Definitely like them, but I mean, my personal palate is uh, I definitely like not I like cit- more citrus forward IPAs, yeah. not necessarily like the sculpt like the grapefruit or whatever. Sure, but. Um, so I'm thinking like, if you ever get a chance, Treehouse IPAs, like, uh, I think it's called Green, and then they have Purple Haze, and they have some other stuff, and it's, hmm. it's from Massachusetts, but it's pretty good stuff if you can find it. Hmm. I think someone was just telling my friend's wife about Treehouse not too long ago, because she's from Bedford, and her whole family still lives back there, and she's out here in Denver, and she was trying to get her brother-in-law to buy a bunch of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, Willem Some... Screams from New Bedford, Massachusetts. Oh, really? Is that where you're talking about, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, that's where uh, Willem Scream is from. They're one of my favorite bands. That's fucking wild. <laughs> also, Robin, she uh, knows about them or knew who they were or anything, because she used to be an old punk rock fan and stuff. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, you should definitely... It's like the... They're like the Casey Brewing of Massachusetts, apparently. I mean, really? it's just IPAs, but... Um, or the Trillium, you know... Um, so there's people lining up, and it's literally like this little tiny, it's a nice little tiny like farmhouse or shack or something, but they're making some damn good beer out there, I guess. That's that's badass. Yeah. I, I just only recently learned to Casey. I mean, I know they haven't been around for a super long time, but it just seems like they've le- reached cult status really oh, yeah. fucking quick. <laughs> yeah, and they, they kind of controlled it that way, you know? I mean, when he, I remember when he was still opening up his shop, and he... I, you know, and they told me, like, yeah, we're just going to do, like, we're only going to open on Saturdays to sell bottles. And I was just like, wait, what? One day, <laughs> yeah. how the hell are you going to keep your doors open, you know? Um, who the hell wants to drive to Glenwood Springs to to buy a bottle? And lo and behold, you know, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. So. Well, I did also, I did Troy's session where he went through all the barrels of uh, in, in the blend of a beer. And so yes. we tried each individual barrel the final blend, and then the final blend with, like, the apricot and then the carbonation and stuff. And uh, that was the first – that was the second time I've had their beer. Uh, I've had some friends that have gone out and gotten some bottles and everything. So um, – and I, I'm in the in, – in the world of sours, I am more into the mild to medium level. Like, anything Same here. too acidic, and I'm just like, nope. This is just heartburn city, and I can't even taste anything else. But uh, <laughs> that, that yeah. barrel progression you did was really good, I thought. I wish I would have got to that because if you guys ever have a chance to sit down and do like a a Balvini scotch tasting or a McKellen tasting or um, any any time you even go to like a distillery, let's say let's be Stranahan's or some of these other guys that are opening up now, if you can sit down and try like obviously not the newer one but some of the older ones, you know a five year compared to a ten year. Mm-hmm. Compared to a twelve or fifteen to eighteen to twenty, whatever they're, however they have them aged, you know it's funny. Everybody, you know, like, oh, I need that Pappy twenty three bottle. I spend six hundred dollars on it or fifty dollars a shot. <laughs> Honestly, the the ten year or fifteen year tastes pretty damn good on its own, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I'm like you. I, I'm not a huge super sour fan, but um, 
I would have. I wish I would have been able to try. Oh, a red wine, a white wine, and then that blended, or you know, that kind of that progression to have a better understanding of it all. Yeah, it's cool to see what you know different barrels will do to the to the product. Like some of the beers were outrageously tart, while some of the other like samples in this blend weren't so bad. And then the final blend was just a really good combination of all of them, and it's. Uh, it's just a process of like I'm a home brewer, so I think I understand the basics of you know you throw grains, hops, water, and yeast together, and you get beer. But then you have these other very, uh, very delicate procedures. Really, uh, I mean, you have a really good chance of fucking your product up. Yeah. In this process. So it's uh it's a cool the the art part of it to me is what this really is. I mean, I know there's a ton of science too, but yeah, say you know making this stuff as much an art it is as science in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, my only thing is yeast plays such a huge factor in that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the barrel, you know, I always people like, oh, I really want a lot of that Merlot or that Cab Sauv flavor from my wine barrel. It's like, yeah, well, you're probably going to get some. I personally don't know how much it truly actually makes, you know, infuses with the beer. But uh, a lot of those guys that do the sours are really just looking for the vessel just a wooden vessel so it can breathe. Yeah. And let that yeast really uh, survive. and Yeah, let it do its work, yeah. basically. Yeah. And I think the second part of it is the type of oak and how porous it is and how much oxygen is getting in, the tightness of the grain. And that, you know, and then maybe the third would be the, the actual flavor from the barrel itself. But Sure. I'm not a brewer, so I should be maybe. But all the questions <laughs> I always get from these, you know, master brewers, I'm like, I have no clue, dude. But I will ask somebody about, you know. For oh you. yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's I think it's just super interesting to hear brewers even talk about this. Like uh, we, uh, do you know any of the guys from Paradox at all? Yeah, I know Jeff. Yeah, uh, we had Jeff and Mike on uh, the okay. show. I don't know a couple months ago. And, I mean, those guys, I mean, since all they do is barrel-age their beer, I mean, they're like fucking rocket scientists when it comes to this stuff, it seems like. I mean, they just, that's that's what they live, eat, and breathe, basically, when they're brewing it. So it's yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. Uh, my they, brain literally melted listening to them, like, off the off the air, just kind of talk through some of the process. I'm like, I can't fathom this. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are yeah, the most popular are. barrels for uh, for sours? Really I know it's wine. it's wine barrels, right? But yeah. I mean, is there any like particular style uh, um, in red or white that's that's really favorable amongst anybody doing a sour? You know, reds are always more favorable. I think probably I, I feel like it's just because they're cheaper usually, and they're more um, readily available. Uh, whereas the whites, they're not as readily available. I mean, there's not a lot of white wines that are actually barrel aged, and if they are. They're maybe rested in a barrel for maybe a few months to maybe a year, um, sometimes longer, but they usually don't really rest that Chardonnay or Sauve Blanc in that barrel or Grenache Blanc or whatever that very long, you know, for a very long time. So okay. kind of a roundabout way of answering your question. Reds are definitely more predominant, um, followed by Chardonnay, just because I think Chardonnay is a lot more readily available. There's a right. lot of those housewives out there just chugging that stuff like champs. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what uh, what the why that is, but I'm assuming that is the reason. Um, I personally like Saab Blanc. It's just a lot more tropical and fruity um, 
more like your like your mango and your lime notes when you know, mm-hmm. when you smell it. Um, and and they're just a lot harder to find. They're usually a bit more weathered too. So, so what would you would you say you're more of a, a wine drinker or a beer drinker? Given yeah, that's a good question because I've been um, actually drinking more wine lately. But I am a I'm a huge beer. I mean, I have a big old beer gut. So um, <laughs> we all do. Yeah, so I'm definitely. Yes, it is. I'm definitely a beer drinker. I love my beer. I always will drink beer. However, after being out in Napa for so long, um, there was actually still quite a bit good beer out there. Now I just, I've been finding myself craving like Cab Sauv or Merlot or some stuff like that, and I'm, I don't know why. It's kind of concerning, actually. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so two questions, I guess. Do you think that you? That you've uh, acquired a taste of wine from the job that you're working now because you're uh, working a little bit more intimately with wine? Um, or do you, I mean, or have you just always been like a fan of wine and this really no, with it? Honestly, I, I, dude, I used to <laughs> I've, I used to drink Mike's Hard Lemonade all the time in high school. <laughs> okay, okay. Like and that. then Bacardi, like Limon, you know, and like uh, Peach whatever peach schnapps and yeah i don't know what the hell's wrong with me when i was in college um <laughs> hey man it sounds like your trajectory was the same as mine that's all the same, same shit sure. i drink as i was younger. i drink fucking smirnoff ice dude when yes. i was yeah. So. We, we'd take smirnoff ice and uh actually i'm old enough that zemo is still around when i was oh younger. zemo yeah we yeah. drop uh shots of of just like sour apple pucker or raspberry pucker into the the zima or smirnoff ice to Give it a little bit more of a fruity flavor and a little extra kick, and just you know up that hangover factor. Yeah, that was. I never tried that, but I knew people that talked about it. We were just like, "Yeah, Jolly Ranchers, we're gonna put pucker in there. Fuck it," because we were hardcore. (laughs) Yeah, that is. (laughs) (laughs) We should do a Sam. We should do a. uh, We should do a high school beer and loathing video episode where we fucking drink the like the shittiest sugary alcoholic beverages. And then and then videotape us the next day when we're sitting there just dying because of our headaches from all that fucking sugar. Literally paralyzed on the couch because of all the sugar and the hangover that accompanies it. I (laughs) so I went to University of Wyoming and I was living in the dorms when I had my first true like college hangover. First night I moved in, of course. Oh yeah, hours hours after my parents left and. I remember drink chugging peach schnapps and Mike's hards and all this stuff, and I got I don't know if I got paralyzed or what, but I I did not want to leave my bunk bed, so therefore <laughs> I proceeded to just upchuck all over oh, over no. the railing. Oh no! To my roommate's dismay, um, over the railing. You know. did, did you know your roommate, or did you go in blind? No, he's luckily he's he's my he's my brother from another mother, so it, he was yeah so. He just some stranger be like, oh well, now I have a waterfall of vomit from some kid I don't know. Right. <laughs> <Deal with. laughs> uh, I I just told him I blame it on the elevation because they're another two thousand <laughs> feet higher than us. So my but. first college hangover was gin related. Oh yeah, I know. I I just remember we were drinking a bunch of gin and then we went out and had Korean food and I just remember throwing up clear noodles in the toilet. I'm like never again will I drink gin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, oh no that's horrible it was <laughs> and to this day i don't like gin yeah no sh- who does man i don't i get do gin i do I, I admit it i love oh. gin 
I know. Well, why? I don't know. Apparently all my friends love gin. I didn't know you loved it too, Pete, but a bunch of my friends out here drink that shit all the time. I'm like, hmm, no thank you. Uh, I like the juniper berry. Dude. Yeah? Well, then I'll have to give you this bottle of roundhouse gin I have here. It's barrel-aged gin. Um, I'm, oh, not, gonna, I'm never going to finish it. It's You can have it. It's partially... I'll take it. order of it's gone, but the rest of it's yours, my friend. <laughs> All right, Pete. There's your incentive to come out for a visit ASAFP. Hell yeah. <laughs> so wait, Pete, you're up in... Where are you at again? Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, you're out. Oh, you're Michigan. Yep. Yeah. Mallory, my counterpart, will be heading out there soon. We have a meeting with founders to chat with them about their barrel needs. So nice. No um, shit. Yeah, I'll let her know to touch base with you, my friend. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I would love to grab a beer or something. For sure. Yeah. There's so many people out there. Um, Grand Rapids is actually a huge hotbed of brewers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They got that. Uh, someone from I think former future from here is going it's... out to start out that. All wild, uh, yeah. Brewery. That's Mitch Ermitajinger. I don't even know how to say his Ermitajinger. <laughs> Ermagerd is what I call him. I always Ermagerd. call him Mitch Ermagerd. <laughs> so oh, awesome. I'm not sure if he listens to this show. Maybe he does, but uh, uh, I will have to send him the link to the podcast to let him know that I just emailed him today. Actually, to let him know that we were talking about him. Yeah. Let's see if his ears are burning. <laughs> yeah, GR is a good spot. I it, I left there three years ago. And uh, I still go back every year or so. No, every year, because either someone's getting married or I just go back to visit my family. And it's it's really awesome to just step away for a year and go back and see how it's developed without being there in the in the thick of it. Because there's a couple of breweries that I used to think were pretty blah, and now they're yeah. making really great beer. And then there were some new breweries that I thought were good to start out with, and now they're making really, really good beer. And uh, they're all just growing like fucking weeds, and it's awesome. Yeah, I'm curious. Is there even enough water in the world to support this growth? I mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Well, California, if it happens in Michigan, so. at least we have the uh, the Great Lakes, yeah. so we can just kind of feed from those. I think Lake Superior could handle quite a bit if need be. Yeah, yeah. I'm nope. just. I'm just. I mean, it's like California. I mean, I don't know how the hell they're surviving out there, to be honest, with all these restrictions, and let alone being a brewery or a new brewery out there. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. yeah, when they were going through that drought, I was really curious to see what was going to happen to the brewing industry in that area. Smuggling in water in from Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In Minnesota. That pipeline <laughs> they've been talking about since I was five years old is just getting closer every day. God. I used to work in the water engineering industry, so I could only imagine the the time and the amount of money that would cost, let alone the, all the bureaucracy involved. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So getting much red tape you'd have to cut through. All the state the what? lines and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. So all this but, talk about the barrel aging and the beers and the wines and stuff yeah, prompted me to open up. Uh, and, and also, I think it's because you said Avery. I I got one of their Ildolias, which is one of their barrel-aged sour beers. It's really, it's really grown on me. You'll have to remind me, which one was that aged in? Uh, Madeira Barrels. Oh, oh, Madeira. Madeira yeah. barrels, yes. So, yeah, fortified wine from... Uh, oh, wait, 44% aged in Madeira bottles, 31% aged in Cabernet Sauvignon bottles or barrels, and 25 aged in Carcavelos. Carcavelos. Carcavelos yeah, barrels, yeah. Trust me, I've had... I've 
It took me about a year to figure out how to actually pronounce these. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm still not pronouncing it right. Um, yeah, Carcavelos. Uh, I don't ever actually see that too often anymore in the barrel realm when we import from Europe. It's really just port and sherry, port and sherry. And I think that's because these distillers we work with, um, not just brewers, it's a huge distillers, you know, they finish all their bourbons or whiskeys in uh, port and sherry and other fortified wines such as the Madeira or Carcavelos. Okay. But, um, yeah, they've been really driving the the demand on some of this stuff as well as like Cognac, Armagnac, um, Calvados, which is like an apple or pear brandy from France. Oh, wow. That um, sounds all right. Hmm. Yeah, some people, I think Station 26 here in Denver is going to get one or two and then some other people um, – Locally, it's it's kind of cool, you know. In reality, there probably should be like a barrel shop in each state, you know, especially Grand Rapids or yeah. uh, San Diego, you know. <laughs> At least some of the major, like major spots where it's yeah. really, really a hotbed kind of for that activity. Yeah. So I've been looking to go into. Well, I haven't really been looking into it. I've just been like entertaining the thought of what if I started making my own barrels, and mm-hmm. I was wondering how in demand that craft is right now because i know it's a real pain in the ass to actually get into i know it's a lot of work to get the craft down but yeah so you have to kind of apprentice for like two to five years to really kind of get to know but on top of it it's just an expensive thing to start because i mean you can do it by hand for sure um uh, you could buy i don't know there's i've actually had there's a lot of people that want to become coopers for some reason or start a cooperage um you guys (laughs) It's, there's a lot of, um, I'm not saying don't do it, it's definitely a, a, an ancient art or trade that's definitely dying and being dominated by machines now, but um, there are, you know, you got to find the oak, you got to find well-seasoned oak, or oak, you know, usually American oak, um, you can use French oak, supposedly there's people making some red oak stuff, or trying to make it out of different types of woods, but the thing is, oak is the predominant um wood used you know there's chestnut barrels there's cypress tanks um but uh oak is definitely the one it's just it's just a solid piece of wood and it Mm -hmm. it, that grain it doesn't leak it doesn't seep like chestnut is a lot very porous and i think that's used in a lot of uh i might be butchering the name gozas or gozas yeah gozas and uh lambics um but it's just really porous, and so it's kind of like a sponge, and it kind of just drips over time, mm. regardless yeah. of how well built it is. But if you wanted, to, I mean, yeah, if you want to become a cooper, I mean, there's definitely apprenticeships you can go do. Uh, I think actually in Michigan, it might be Minnesota, um, Barrel Black Swan uh, Cooperage, I think is out that way. You have to Google it. Yeah, that's I'd, sure. I wouldn't know a cooperage even if. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's one of the M states with all the lakes. We'll go with that, right? Yeah, you should definitely, um, if you can, go visit a cooperage. Let it be in Napa or wherever, Sonoma or Kentucky or wherever. Um, they're really cool. It's really interesting to see how they make the barrels. You got fires going on. It's like walking into like a a, a fireplace. Um, there's a smoke billowing everywhere. Depends on the the cooperage that is. Um, there's some that are really filthy, and there's some that are superior. Uh, top-notch cleanliness, you know, type deal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I kind of strayed away from your original question, which is if you want to become a cooper, <laughs> how would you go about that? Was it- <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, I guess I was just asking, like, is that something that's 
I guess, in demand. Because, like, I've Googled it before, and yeah. uh, I've seen people, I've seen YouTube videos of people, like, making barrels, and it's really cool, and it looks like, they're like, it looks like what you would imagine blacksmiths working with swords yeah. on anvils, you know? It's just, like, one of those, like, timeless trades that looks really cool and uh, is is still relevant today. That's just, like, some some sort of, I don't know, Something that, especially with this this like wave of beer and breweries that are opening up, um, and barrel aging is is still a popular thing. Like barrels are still needed for that, and you know wine wineries will all always need barrels. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just something I kind of explored for a little bit, I guess. No, I mean it's it's definitely look into it because in um, if anything, you could be like. Uh, on-demand like barrel repair person um so for example new belgium when they got these fooders they had to fly this french guy that didn't speak a lick of english over to assemble these fooders um here and it's like a you know from my estimations it's about a 50 a 25 to fifty thousand dollar job you know you get christ Yeah, it's like you, you get your per diem you're here for like maybe two to three weeks if not longer depending on the size of the job you know, sometimes it's it really takes about three to five guys to assemble some of this stuff, or at least two guys. Um, but if you could be, I mean, there are some people that do this for a living. They're like on-demand coopers, um, but they go around and to all the wineries and you know fix bad barrels or something that might have got dropped, and they replace a stave or they will put new oak like um, inserts in versus buying a new barrel because like a brand new wine barrel can range in price from on the low end maybe $600 per barrel all the way up to wow. probably I, I think I've heard like $1800 um new bourbon barrels you know uh, the 53 gallon guys those range in price I've heard from like 200 all the way or I've actually heard 125 which is really cheap but wow I don't think that's <laughs> probably not as, probably not as common no, no. Probably but not now they're tight. Right, yeah. But for like a brand new one it it could be yeah, about two thirty all the way up to I think five hundred fifty dollars per barrel. So you know, people always like to chirp at me and get up upset because I never said that we're the cheapest barrel broker out there, um, or cheapest option, but the thing is like I'm there to respond, I'm there to interact with you and kind of talk to you and and I'll, you know, you could email me, and I respond fairly quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. I can I don't adjust know. to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm so, not even buying anything from you, so that's got to be a good right. sign. Yeah, but like we sell wine barrel for like 150, like a red wine barrel, 150 bucks. Our bourbon ranges in price from like one. Uh, actually, I just got some for 159, all the way up to 215 dollars. Um, and it's just funny because some people are like, oh, that's really expensive. I can buy my barrel for one six. I'm like, that's great. You should buy that then. Like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why are you telling me? Because I'm going to go find that shit and I'm going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. First off, where did you say you saw that again? All right, cool. Yeah, right. What, yeah. what is, what's the real, like, uh, I mean, what's, what's the factor that determines how expensive or how cheap a barrel is? Is it like the quality of the wood or the alcohol that was aged in it or? Yeah, so there's, I think there's, uh, uh, I could be miscounting here, three main factors. One, the source. Two, the type. Um, and three, the age, the quality, you know, the barrel, overall quality. So, you know, I could probably go buy 
I'm just trying to think. I could probably go, you know, I could buy thirty to forty dollar, fifty dollar wine barrels all day long, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the quality of it could be complete dog shit. It could be um, super not tight, you know, so therefore it's going to leak. It could be infected, you know, uh, not well taken care of. Um, it's just there's so many other little factors at play, and then also just the source, you know. So let's say, um, let me just think of a random. Have you ever heard of Bull Run Distillery? I have not. No. Have you heard of Have you heard of Jack Daniels? Yes. Once or twice. Okay. So, <laughs> so name recognition, right? Um, you know, I offer these Woodfords for two hundred fourteen dollars Woodford Reserve, yeah. but then I offer them my Breckenridge Bourbon for one eighty nine, like almost you know forty dollars cheaper, and they're like, "Oh, I'll take the Woodford." It's like, why? It's, <laughs> Why would you know? Why would you want to spend? Why well, I just I know that I know that profile. Blah blah blah. It's like all right. I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I taste Woodford in my beer when I'm drinking a <laughs> Woodford aged stout. No, that's a good point. I don't think I do either. <laughs> so, and that's the thing, you know. And I try to put that off onto the brewers, but everybody just you know we're we're a nation of consumers here in the U.S. So. Yeah, we're we capitalists, man. Brand. Yeah. Brand recognition is a hell of a thing, man. That's. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, do you think some of them, even it's like a resale thing, they can just put that then, you know, aged in such and such barrels on their final product, too? I mean. Well, that's the funny thing. You, they don't have the marketing rights to use their name. Ah, okay. All right. <laughs> you know, so I, I tell a lot of my clients, like, hey, it's a non disclosure. You know, I don't mind telling you on the phone, but I can't type it out. Um, so oh. when I get Stranahan barrels, they're called Colorado whiskey because oh. the parent company Proximo, um, they don't want their name out there. You know, they, they like to, they're, they're hawks with their branding. If I were to release, we have to sand the heads down actually. Um, really? Okay. Cause it's, yeah. Cause they have them branded or laser etched in there. Uh, the name. So we have oh. to sand the heads all down before we ship them out. Um, Heaven Hill and like a lot of the other bigger distilleries will roll paint over the name because they just spray paint it on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can I always try to tell people where it came from because it helps kind of give them an idea of what the profile might be when they after they age it. You know, so they can have a sample. But I think what you were talking about earlier, uh, Samuel, was the the blending. I think yeah. that's where you're going to get your suit. You, need, you can totally bottle a bourbon aged stout right off the you know the damn barrel yeah it's gonna be super boozy and super intense you know but i think when you go to blend it that's where that that true kind of art form comes from um when you're barrel aging you know and that's where i think you can make it truly your own excuse me version of it then because you know it's you're taking bits and pieces from a lot of different areas and you know that's you know, you're saying, I'm going to add this barrel blend, I'm going to blend this barrel and this barrel and this barrel, this is the final taste I want, you know, it's, it puts the control back in, like, the brewer's hands versus being like, all right, we're going to take our product and mix it with this product, and then cross our fingers and hope it doesn't taste like shit, or hope it doesn't get overpowered, or hope, you know, that our product doesn't get compromised, more or less. Yeah, no, you're right, I mean, um... I've had some beers, and I, you know, I don't. I'm not gonna name names, but I've had some barrel aged beers. I'm like, Jesus, what the? F-? <laughs> you know, what was going what did on you, here? Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I have to gulp it down to, and just put a smile on my face. But there's other times where I have, and I'm like, 
holy shit, this is like a grand slam, you know? Um, well, how do I get this? This how do I get more of this? You know? Uh, how do I get them to make more of it? Type deal. Yeah. Not because I, I want to make sell more barrels, but more of I just want more of this beer to be out there. Right. Um, you want it, you want it to be available to the masses versus you know those like you said you have to drive way out into you know the other end of the state or you know wait in line yeah. at a brewery for yeah. however many hours and stuff you you know you'd like it yeah. to be available on the shelf so someone could just walk by and be like that sounds interesting let me pick that up yeah it's kind of like Avery doing that vanilla bourbon barrel aged beer that's going to be available all year round yeah um, I'm not sure what that one's called I can't I remember think they but call it vanilla bean or something like that yeah. Something's pretty simple. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not some crazy ass name. So, just vanilla bean stout. The beauty uh, of simplicity. Stout. But yeah, I personally like to see. It. I you know, because you get these people that will wait in that line. They'll they'll buy up. They'll gobble up as many bottles as they can, and nobody else gets to try it. Then you're sitting here having to trade for it or yeah. pay way more for it than you should. I mean, that's just kind of nature of economics, I guess. But. Um, yeah, there's just some good stuff out there, man. It's frustrating to see from, yeah. like, I mean, I used to be the, the collector mindset of, oh, I gotta, I want to try all these crazy beers. And then it's, you know, honestly, the effort that you have to put into it to really try to acquire some of these things, it's so not worth right. it. So, I mean, they're not, it's not that they're bad, but no. the, 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 the sweat and labor you have to put into and the miles and all the other shit, you get, you're like, I kind of wish that would have been better. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. It, yeah. So to me, it's just, uh, you know, nowadays I rely on bottle shares or festivals. I'm like, all right, I've heard about this. Let's try it here. And if I, you know, walk across on the shelf and see it or, you know, I'll go to an Avery, you know, special release every now and then or something like that. But it's, it's, it's just hard. It was hard to break away from that mentality of wanting to have them all. It's like, it's like fucking Pokemon. Everyone's just, I got to have all of them. (laughs) Now untaps out there so you can chronicle all of your, you know, conquests and stuff it's like all right now i can show i got the biggest swinging dick when it comes to drinking beers here so <laughs> yeah i don't it's hard for me to get on like i there's some people i've met that are like i guess batshit crazy over beer you know and i get yeah. it that's their thing you know um glad it's not guns like some people um <laughs> but uh but it's you know people do it's like they're it's their like diehard hobby and that's great. Um, I just like to be able to like you said you wouldn't pick up a thirty pack of Bush or something you know. Yeah. Um, I want to go grab. I want something that's always going to be around when I need it. You know. I um, for me it's like uh, Deschutes uh, fresh squeezed. That's yeah. pretty much all it's available now. Um, or that Avery vanilla bourbon stout. You know, it's nice to have that when I need it. Or uh, I don't know. I do like my Tecate for when I'm on the golf course. Oh, yeah. Tecate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, you got to have your good session beers. You're not trying to get super fucked up when you're out there drinking. You just want to enjoy your beer and enjoy what you're doing and not fall on your face. Exactly. And you don't necessarily need to have it be a big old slam of hops to your face either. You don't need to destroy it in the process. That's been a pillar of beer and loathing since day one is... Yeah, we really enjoy good beers, but if you're out on the lake or like hanging out and playing golf, you uh, yeah, reach for a PBR or something because you're not going to want to drink 10% no. beers all day and, and no. get blackout drunk within the first two hours of your day, you know? Yeah. Puking I don't, and that's like Sourfest. I don't get that. Like the Sourfest. Like, why do you want to have heartburn and acid <laughs> reflux all fucking too long? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I'm not into taking tums after drinking a you know, taking a swig, so <laughs> Yeah, a, a nice sidecar of uh Pepto Bismol after after taking yes. a shot of the beer. Yes, we should totally make a drink like that. You know anybody at the rest in the restaurant industry we can maybe offer that somewhere? I might know a guy. <laughs> a sour beer with a like you could bomb it with Pepto-Bismol and yeah, something else. Just yes. drop it in. Yeah. A shot oh. of Pepto-Bismol in your sour Crack beer. Crack a Tums on top, just sprinkle it on like, you know, powdered <laughs> sugar. <laughs> oh my god. This might just be so I, we do a videos every now and then. We call them Throwback Thursdays or Tasting Room or something where we just – we'll try a beer and we'll either chug it if it's a really nice beer or do something ridiculous. That might be how I do a sour beer soon. <laughs> just yeah. preemptively strike it. All right, Sam. So so let's launch into, let's launch into the questions that we're going to ask. I think yeah. I only yeah. have one that I'm going to ask. Okay. And I don't know how many you have to ask Sam. But I got two. We can I want to ask Noah – I want to ask him really quick, and I want to ask you too, Sam. What what are the grossest shots? The top grossest shot that you've ever heard of? Start with oh, Noah, I guess. Um, I always thought, and this is, I think, a pretty fairly well known one. Um, oh shit, what was it? Well, there's the three wise men, right? Oh, you, yeah. What is, I don't even know exactly which. I think it's just you just pick three dudes' names yeah. and you mix. It's, it's Jim, uh, Jack, the one that I heard. Yep, there you go. And Jim, then, Jack, what was uh, it? If you Jim Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, and Johnny Walker. Oh, okay. And if anyone offers you a four horseman, run oh, that's, screaming because then they that's the one. have like sorry, Jose Cuervo in there too. That's the one. Yep, that's the one I was thinking of. That one just scares me. But then anytime there's any shot involved, and I'm sorry, I'm not giving you one answer, but it's <laughs> no, anytime that's fine. I have like two alcohol mixed with. Like some lactose-based product, like uh, Irish Car Bomb, or um, I don't know what it is. Like the oatmeal one, or what's it called? Um, oh, the oatmeal cookie. Yeah, oatmeal cookie. You just see it curdling. Oh, visually just just horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah tastes like cement mixer. Pretty- yeah. <laughs> so so that's. Uh, I'm sure there's worse ones. As far as her- worst shots I've ever heard of, I think. Uh, Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It has, it's, I think, somewhat racist because it has to do with Mexico. I think they call it something Senorita. I don't remember. But basically, uh, it's lukewarm tequila. And then they took, like, a little dab of, like, cream or something on the top. So it looks like it's got, like, syphilis or something. (laughs) I think it's called, like, a Mexican burn. I don't remember. Like I said, it it might be slightly (laughs) rude, but I just, the, 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 I like tequila, but the thought of lukewarm tequila still just makes me kind of gag a little bit in my mouth. Yeah, no. But it's funny you say this, Pete, because these the shots we were making this weekend up in Crested Butte, none of them existed, but they were all terrible. Uh, there was one, my buddy Jeremy, I have a video of it. I'm going to put it out in the next couple of weeks eventually. But we put, like, vodka, Jim Beam, some uh, liquid Bloody Mary mix and then I think we put some like grapefruit juice or something in it. Uh. It was about the <laughs> grossest thing I've ever put in my body, and uh, I've drank some really nasty shit in my day. Yeah, I think mixing vodka and tequila together just is just death. Yeah, yeah, just hands off. Like, don't even, don't, don't even try to do that. Just, just don't go there. No need to ruin perfect <laughs> I have liquors. A few. So I have a few. Uh, <laughs> there's. 
easily one of the grossest ones that I've heard of, and you guys will really appreciate this because you're not gin fans, is the <laughs> granny panties. <laughs> I like the uh, name. <laughs> which is a shot of gin with Parmesan cheese sprinkled oh, on top. Oh, fuck that. No. Uh, <laughs> didn't think you could the, make gin worse until right now yep. the second grossest <laughs> one that I've heard of is uh, the fisherman's loogie oh, which no. is a shot of shot of vodka with a dab of mayonnaise in it so it's oh. really lubed up and greasy when you do it so it just like slides into your mouth the dab of mayonnaise oh. stuff. I felt a near gag happen right as you described oh, that one man. right there that's Oh. Every fucking time I talk about it, I get the same thing. I'm getting a little hot oh. mouth. Yeah. Has, it, has anybody ever done it? Have you tried it? Um, I haven't tried it, and I've never seen anybody try that, but I've only heard stories of people trying it. I, I mean, I, I guess I don't roll with a group of friends that is that much of an asshole, or that <laughs> of a group of assholes, you know, where we, like, get shots for each other like that. <clears throat> um, thank well, my God. birthday is tomorrow, so I'm curious... Oh, happy birthday in advance. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. So, I appreciate it. So who are you hanging out with? We'll start tossing them some suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my um, girlfriend, who's still slowly dying from her cold, apparently. Um, not sure <laughs> when I got to Boulder for that or not, but uh, <laughs> um, otherwise my buddy. So not sure what's going to happen, actually. Well, um, this episode's going to air after tomorrow, so you don't have to worry about them hearing it and then be like, all right, now we know what we're going to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good because I'm. My plan is, oh no, no, let me buy you guys a shot. You guys bought me two. I'm gonna buy you one. Yeah, exactly. And that's my yeah. birthday present. You I know, you get my... to watch the gag and yak everywhere. Fisherman <laughs> loogies all around. Yeah, fisherman loogies. <laughs> so that's that was a vodka with mayonnaise in it, was it, or was it vodka with a dab of mayonnaise? The dab of mayonnaise. I feel like and it could be anything camp... with a dab of mayonnaise in it. It'd be fucking terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vodka, especially though, just because oh. it's such a clean liquor, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just, it, I mean, it's just like clear, like spit. That's kind of what I've always imagined it as, yep. you know, like the vodka is clear, like saliva. The dab of mayonnaise is like a loogie. Oh god, it's making yeah. me get Ugh. fucking hot mouth just thinking of it. All right, so oh, I got, I got a couple of questions too, and mine are very oh. different. Mine are more would you rather type questions. <laughs> this first one. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie. I just laughed what I thought up in my head. It's probably not that funny, but would you rather float over Niagara Falls in a whiskey, tequila, or rum barrel? Um, I'm going to have to say whiskey okay. because it's going to be <laughs> – this, uh, this is purely technical response because, <laughs> no, because I know whiskey barrels are way better and way better shape than our, our friends down south or in the Caribbean. <laughs> um, they, <laughs> It's just a much more well sturdy barrel, so I feel like I'd have a better chance of survival with, with the whiskey. But at the same time, if I'm falling over Niagara Falls, I, maybe I don't need to survive because who knows what condition I'll be in after that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and you know I always love when someone gives a really good logical answer to a ridiculous question. So yeah. <laughs> I, I can totally appreciate that. Pete, do you have a preference of your liquor barrel? Uh, and I didn't mention I think it, I would... it could be filled or it could be empty. Mm. If it was filled, I would say whiskey. I will just drink that until I'm dead. Because <laughs> yep. most likely I will probably be dead. Right. That was kind of yep. the idea there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have to uh, do tequila. Just because I like tequila way better than rum or whiskey. Really? You don't have to- oh, man. I'm sorry, but I hate tequila after my trip. 
Mexico. These guys, I almost didn't come back on one of my trips. So, um, looking at just looking for some stupid tequila barrels. Um, <laughs> all you wanted some tequila barrels, and then it turned into a whole other thing. Yeah, it's almost like a scary hangover movie where um, I, I just met some transvestites. I met. I'm pretty sure I met the cartel, <laughs> and I. <laughs> Yeah, it was a scary man. It was just scary. <laughs> <laughs> it was that's the only way to sum it up. It was it was sketch. Yeah, right. yeah. and just to sell to find some good tequila barrels, which I didn't even actually find for the shoots. <laughs> oh, is that for their it, mercenario? I don't. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know what they were gonna do with them. But I told spot. them the story, and they were like, "Dude, I, I get it. Like, don't worry about it. Find them ever again. We'll we'll do something different with the beer." <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you came back with all your kidneys and stuff. So exactly, you know, yes. I'm, I'm an optimist. So silver linings everywhere. Yes. <laughs> all right. So this this other question, we, we might have to go under the pretense of you don't have to worry about any consequence at work. Um, but would you rather sell some of the finest rare barrels you could get your hands on to someone who only intended to age, basically the equivalent of a shitty malt liquor, or would you rather? <laughs> light those same fine rare barrels on fire in front of that person in protest of them aging it in that beer. Ooh, I'd probably light them on fire. Yeah. All right. (laughs) You know, I've had, I've told who the hell, I can't remember who it was. I told the fuck off. (laughs) Somebody I told to go kick rocks. I was like, you're an idiot. You're just an idiot. Get the hell out of here. Like, um, I don't try. I don't do that often. I, I, I'm a pretty nice guy, but, there's just some people that come in and they they ask for certain things and I'm like oh well what are you gonna do with it oh I'm gonna do this this or this I'm like you're an idiot get out of here like yeah. it's, <laughs> it's like um, people <laughs> first off somebody had asked me this is totally not a top quality or rare barrel but it's not even a barrel as as a matter of fact but be like oh yeah I really want a a fireball barrel and I'm like do you do you realize fireball is not actually aged in a barrel <laughs> like it's <laughs> So you want Mass some plastic produced. bottles or what here? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Want so quality from the barrel they aged it in, you know, all those cinnamon trees. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then some. Everybody, I always get people asking, "Oh, really want a pappy barrel? I really want a pappy barrel, dude. Do you, can you find a bottle of pappy anywhere? What do you? What makes me think that I'm gonna find a pappy barrel? Yeah. Oh well. That the barrel's way more rare than the damn bottle, you know, the actual booze itself. Yeah. So uh, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get you a pappy barrel in twenty three years when they when more come available. Right after I punch out God. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny stuff like that, and I don't mean I I'm just being totally probably too open. So, but it's just but it is funny though. I mean, people do find this shit sometimes, like a thirty year old Heaven Hill barrel, and I'm like, whoa. whoa. Why the hell do you want a thirty-year-old barrel that, like, that's probably only been full out of uh, the total lifespan, maybe th- for five years? You know, like, because yeah. there's so much angel share. So uh, the flavor profile, it's maybe in like three staves at the bottom of the barrel. You know, mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah. And, and mostly the question was really just, I didn't know if it was, uh, you know. I feel like if you're going through all these lengths, especially not you're telling us the story of especially like this Mexico trip, you're going to all these lengths to procure this product. If someone's just going to use it and basically piss on it, if you're like, right. hey, you know what? No, why don't you just fuck off and yeah. I'll, I'll just not sell you this shit instead. 
Yeah, no, I mean, there are times when I'm like, I know what I had to do to find that shit, and I'm not, I, I know, you know, I know somebody else out there, like, who is it? Um, oh, there's some of my smaller guys I work with. I'm just going to, I'm going to call out Dr. Jeremy Gobian from Copper Kettle. <laughs> he right. totally, he totally gets, um, you know, some of the stuff and the shit that I have to go through to get some of this stuff. And then, um, but he also ends up on a whole different technical level because I mean he's just like a he's an astrophysicist or something like that. It's crazy. So, Whoa. him and James from Former Future, um, they they totally geek out over certain things. You know, they totally love the the history, the the information behind it, and the story it has. And some people out there just don't care, you know. Yeah. But um, the tequila barrels, I just I don't care about. I don't. I don't think <laughs> Those are just whatever, man. Yeah, there's. I'll just. I'll get a bourbon barrel. I'll pour. I'll fill it for, with tequila for you and <laughs> call it good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Maybe they won't know the difference. Maybe they will. Who knows? Right. So that that's actually a good point because I think I brought it up before. You know, people are like, "Oh, I want a pappy barrel." And can you tell the difference between a pappy, a Woodford, a Breckenridge, and early times, or whatever other bottom shelf maybe bourbon there might be? Some uh, Canadian I don't, club. Yes, Canadian. Actually, we almost got some Canadian club barrels. Really, um, dude? Early times is so bad. That is just so fucking bad. But I hate barrels, early times. The barrels yeah. are pretty damn wonderful. Like they're probably the best. It's weird. I don't know why, but they're really, just, yeah. It they're just they're super boozy, and you know you don't necessarily have to age your beer in there for super long, but. I try explaining this to people and like, nope, nope, don't want early times. Nope, I'll take the Woodford for eighty dollars more. It's like, well, you know, I was gonna sell you this early times because I've been actually giving people barrels to try and compare to the other one and let me know, you know, after their trial, the same beer, yeah, just in two different barrels and let me know how it turns out. And um, some people have come back like, you know what, you're right, dude. And I was like, well. Glad I, I'm glad I was. I That's why this is know. my job, motherfucker. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, it, it does boil down to the blending, you know? Yeah. So. If, I mean, if I was going strictly based on a tasting profile, or like a, a, a taste profile, early times is such, a, to me, it's such a terrible whiskey. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't want to age anything in it, but I, I, I mean, aging a beer in a barrel versus drinking the bourbon or I guess it would be whiskey that go. came out of it is very different. So, well, yeah, and it's it's funny because people are like, oh, I really like the mellowness of this. Um, what was it? This Heaven Hell. Can you get that barrel? Or whatever. It's like, yeah, I can get the barrel, but that doesn't mean your beer's gonna be like that. You know? Yeah. Uh, right. It in theory it should be, but I'm not trying to devalue my product here, or whatever you know, whatever it is I might have, but it's just. It's just kind of I don't know. There's guy I, I've talked I've tried to talk talk with Andy Parker about it here and there, and I gotta go have a beer with him sometime soon to kind of really get into the nuances of it. But he he likes I think the George Dickel barrels that we sometimes get. Um, he feels that that provides a better profile compared to others. And, and, and you know, he's the uh, Avery barrel guy, right? That is correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah um. Cool. I've been trying to get, you know, more and more breweries to try and do this little testing because everybody puts a certain type of beer in it. I'm like, just put your, like, the the stout that you would always want to put in. Just put it in all four barrels and see which one comes out the best, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
trial then, and error, I guess. I, mean, I guess really what you're trying to do is manage your expectations. You know, it's yes because they expect I, they're going to get one thing, and you're you know in your experience, you know for a fact they're not going to get that. So you know, yeah, it's well they might get they might or might not. You know what I mean? It's yeah, that's what it sounds like more to me. Is just like all right, just uh, know well, what you're paying for and getting, and what you're going to achieve with it. Exactly, and I think that's kind of the whole thing with, you know, whenever you're selling any type of widget or whatever, the reality is you want to make your clients happy, and if they want, you know, they want Nikes over Adidas, then so be it. Get them Nikes, yeah. you know? Um, as long as they know they're going to jump just as high in the Nikes as they are in the Adidas. Exactly, and it's just, you know, people, people actually, it's funny, they really do like to show off their barrels, you know? Um they like there are people out there, like I said, with thirty year old Heaven Hill or the Pappy barrels, or like, oh, look at this, look at who who the hell knows if that's truly a thirty year of even a Pappy. You yeah. simply spray paint it on. If, yeah, especially <laughs> if you guys if you guys have to take off any of the labeling or branding of the barrels, anyways, you know, it's like, yeah, you yeah. can say whatever you want. This is you can say this came from King Tut's fucking pyramid for all we know. I don't yeah. know, but. I think I had that revelation when somebody in Fort Collins would start opening up like a whiskey bar and he wanted a bourbon barrel from each distillery. And I was like, sure, man. I, and I actually got him like four different barrels and I got him this Breckenridge one and it didn't say Breckenridge on it anywhere. Whereas the other ones actually had the distillery name. And he's like, well, it doesn't say Breck on it. I'm like, but it's a Breckenridge barrel. He's like, but it doesn't say the name. I'm like, yeah. Well then, watch this. <laughs> and I just said, Draw it out with a sharpie for Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah. I chalked on the head Breckenridge, and like, there you go, boss. I saved watch this for you. This. You're buying it. Have a good day. You know, like it's simply marketing. You know. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's awesome. No, Can I, I do it. one good news, bad news? Noah, would you yeah. would yeah. you be up for that? The good news is you find a CD bar that will serve you anything you want at any time for free. The bad news is that upon entry and every half hour thereafter, you have to relive the most embarrassing, cringeworthy moments of your life as if they're happening in real time. Ooh. <laughs> would you call this oh. bar home? Would, how often what, would you visit this bar? What would I? Can I be super drunk when I go in there, or do I my stone sober then to get super drunk? Uh, it's up to you. I mean, you can go to this bar however fucking wasted you want to. You you get served for free while you're there. And, oh, but the most but the <clears throat> go ahead. Like Sorry. the only caveat. The only caveat is you can go to this bar. You can drink for free, but you have to relive the most embarrassing, cringeworthy moments of your entire life while you're sitting at the bar. So it's either you. No, okay. you just you you just relive them. You relive them live. I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down there. Um, damn. Uh, yeah. You know how often you're asking me how often I would go there. Yeah. I would yeah, probably would you go even there go once, there. I would probably go there once a week because you know what? All the cringeworthy moments of my life are kind of funny as hell. So I'd be. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, you gotta find the the light and all the darkness that you deal with in your life. So. It's kind of there's some there's some shit I've I've dealt with that was pretty horrible but or pretty embarrassing but uh, at the same time looking back on it it's kind of funny to an extent because um, yes exactly thank you that is the best answer I've had to that question so far yeah I like that one too <laughs> awesome yep I don't mean to be kind of sentimental but it's just you know there's <laughs> shit that life is supposed to be you know like think about it when you're on your deathbed. What the hell are you going to be remembering? You're going to remember those cringeworthy moments or and how the hell you got through them, right? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. If you don't have any bad times, gonna... how do you know when you're in the good times? Exactly. And if you relive those, you can you can really break them down and be like, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty embarrassing, but it could have been worse. You know, like I mean, there's I always. Wish... <laughs> I wish I didn't shit my pants uh, when I met that girl, but you know, hey, <laughs> I started, and it came out, and hey, you know what? Still turned out to be a pretty good day. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Is that who you're seeing now? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's all good. <laughs> Everything works out. Well, no man, well, thank you so much for uh, joining us. That was an awesome talk and you handled our questions well. Like I said, I thought up some extra good ones just for you. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for the invite. I'm glad um one that you got to kind of come up to Vale and Big Beers and experience that and be a part. Of- thank you for coming to that seminar. I had no clue how that was going to turn out. Um <laughs> It was very good. That's, thank you. Maybe we'll have to have you on again. We can talk about that a little bit more in depth. I would like to talk about it, and I wanted to, and then we got totally on yeah. some different stuff, and it was all great stuff. So, yeah, no, I think it would be definitely fun to talk about that again sometime. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Have a great rest of the evening, and we'll chat soon. Sounds good. No, That's you have good. a good night, man. All right, see you guys. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Beer and Loathing. You can find us on all of the social medias, uh, including Instagram, Beer and Loathing, Twitter, Beer and Loathing, Facebook, Beer and Loathing, YouTube, Tune and Get Drunk. That's the only different one, but remember, Beer and Loathing, it's always Beer N, the letter N, Loathing. Thank you for joining us tonight. We hope to talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Dan Rathers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I liked it. I'm fine with that. So I don't know if you heard any of the conversation we were just having. Noah was saying that. I like, did. That okay. was a weird thing. Like, I could hear everything you guys were saying, and I was trying to respond to you, and you're like, Pete? Pete? And it just felt like I was in, I, it just felt like I was in another dimension. Like, I could hear you guys talking in real time, but I could not respond to you. It was so frustrating. Fucking poltergeist over here. Come towards yeah. the light, Pete. Yeah. <laughs>